people need to move away from that fear that their role will be redundant if they share information and actually be enthused and kind of happy that they have taken someone new into the industry and created a, you know, a brilliant all-rounded security manager and see that as the challenge. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Diversity in security, a hot topic, sometimes a controversial topic. We're going to be talking with Dawn Holmes, a security consultant in the UK who's worked for many, many large corporations that we all know and love. She's working on improving diversity and inclusion in security. And today we're going to explore this topic because there's a lot of talk shops out there, but how can we make real progress whilst making everything make business sense? Because I think the two can be married together. What, what are your thoughts, Elijah? Well, I've got a few thoughts. So first of all, I do agree with you. I think the topic in itself might be considered controversial, but I'm really looking forward to Dawn's perspective because she's kind of immersed in this world. And if we're on the subject of of hiring managers and decision makers, whether they're in the corporate sector or in the, just the close protection sector. And we have someone who can kind of, so to speak, get into their heads uh, and, and help us make sense of it. I think there's an amazing value to that. Uh, my fear is, is that even just based off of the, the title alone, you might have some people that skip this episode. Now, they might not even hear me say this because they just say, oh, you know, what's this diversity thing have to do with me? But the beautiful thing about the Circuit Podcast is that we bring perspectives from all over the world together. And I think this is something that will, uh, that does have an effect on corporations, does have an effect on the, the hiring process. And whether you are a candidate for a job who's looking and going, well, how can I make myself a more attractive candidate? Or you are a decision maker who's involved somewhere up that hiring change, whether you're the detail leader, uh, whether you're the corporate security manager, whether you're the HR department, and you go, how can I build the best team? My hope is that Dono provides some insights into to, to, to making both of those things more effective so that way people can be successful in their uh, their roles or their perspective roles. That's a good aim. And I think we should get into it. Let Dawn speak for herself on this matter, because as, as you say, it is a hot topic and some people view it as controversial. So without further ado, let's just get into it. Let's meet Dawn Holmes and let's talk diversity and security. And now let's meet one of the contributors to the Circuit magazine. Diversity in security. We're very pleased to welcome the one and only Dawn Holmes to our podcast. We're exploring a critical topic. Elijah Shaw and myself, we're very pleased to have you on. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. Well, straight off the bat, 
we should really mention that you and I are working together on a diversity and inclusion event, which we're titling the Talent Pipeline on the HMS Belfast in London. But before we get into all of that, what problem is there with the industry that you think right now needs to be solved? I think the big one is representation. You look at all of the senior managers and they look very, very similar. They also have very, very similar backgrounds. And for someone who's worked in this industry, who is different, I'm a female, I've not got police and military background. I talk different. I'm not that posh. Um, It's very difficult for kind of, you know, to see someone who is like you and think I can do that. Um, and taking a step backwards, thinking if I'm a young kid, if I'm starting, I'm a young black kid in Liverpool, there is no one who even resembles me when I look at security. And it's, you know, it's you've got to see it to be it. And they will just, that amazing talent who would be absolutely brilliant will look somewhere else because they just can't see how they can get there. Now, that's a, that's a very important point. And Before we get into that, actually, what about you? Where does your passion for this come from? There's an element of, um, I love security. I I love the the profession. It's, there's so much involved and almost wanting to share that and get people to understand all of the different facets, how interesting it is. Um, And I don't think people really get that. So there's an element of really wanting to share my love of security, which makes me sound a little bit sad, um, with others. Um, And also having, you know, started my career 20 years ago, not being that cookie cutter um, and having, you know, being told you can't, you know, you don't really fit what we want. We were looking for this and, you know, I'm awkward and stubborn. So if I'm told no, I try extra hard, but being mindful at the same time that it's a bit of a daily slog sometimes. And, you know, if you just if you just can't be doing with that because you've got, a you know, a, a busy family life, that brilliant people will go, you know, what? I'm just fed up. They're making it hard for me. I'm going to go somewhere where I am appreciated and where it's easier. And that's something that's dangerous. Um, and that I, you know, I don't want people to make that decision. I want people to be able to say, actually, you know what? I'm supported. Um, I'm appreciated. I'm not kind of, you know, just dismissed off the bat. Um, And that's what I want going forward. And going forward for the uninitiated, maybe your reflections in the world of CPEP as well. What should people who have never considered this topic think about? I think the the one thing with diversity is it's very easy to mistake it with a tick box exercise. We need a black face. We need a woman. We need a this. And then you can sit back, pat yourself on the back that you've ticked some boxes. It is not about that at all. It's about being open Hmm. to the talent, allowing that future generation of talent to see themselves in some amazing people doing amazing things. And that's why this is so important. So when you get um, challenges Hmm. that, you know, um, it isn't all about having that kind of that certain individual characteristic and having more of that. It's about people being able to see themselves and see that how they can really, really progress, which will make the industry better, as opposed to thinking this isn't for me. Hmm. So, I mean, you great raise some 
interesting points right at the beginning of this conversation. Um, and I know I can speak from a U.S. perspective. It's a, you know, kind of the, the topic itself is kind of a hot button topic and in some circles is very sensitive and, you know, people don't discuss it or when they discuss it, they're very careful in the terms they use. I mean, I, I think we should be careful in the terms we use, but we shouldn't shy away from the topic. Um, and so one of the things I'd like to ask you is, is there a difference between diversity and inclusion uh, as you see it? I, I personally don't see it that way, but I can see where you, you're, you're coming from because the inclusivity is it doesn't matter what you are, who you are, whatever, you are welcome here and you are welcome to do well in this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, the diversity side mm-hmm. of things is kind of concentrating on the differences and trying to encourage those differences. And I think uh, a more important okay. thing than the physical diversity is the neurodiversity. It's looking at the different skill sets, the different experiences, because mm-hmm. you can have a team mm-hmm. that thinks the same as at the same education background training and the kind of the creativity, the innovation will be stunted, not through anyone's fault, but because they all sure. kind of, you know, have those same life experiences. So for me, it's certainly mm-hmm. kind of that diversity of thought and the diversity of background that is actually more important mm-hmm. than whether, you know, a person is a certain kind of ethnicity or gender or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I think you illustrated that really well there because, you know, the, the pushback when, when you hear the, you know, the, the people that, you know, maybe aren't. Uh, as pro initiative is the fact that it is you, what you call it t- ticking boxes, and and so you know some of the things that we try and counter when we have this discussion is is trying to find the right language or trying to to find that common ground, and and to your point there, a, a diversity of thought is is really important, and particularly you know when we talk about protective services and and because we do a lot of problem solving, you know even in the corporate environment you do this problem solving, and we all have the same outlook or or, or or generate that from the same space and we just come to the same conclusion you know maybe we're missing something do you feel a hundred percent and I was talking to someone recently about recruitment and um, there's a recruiter that's actually looking at kids who have been in care um, and these uh, wait now just care is um, um, like foster care or say they haven't it. had okay. parents so they've had to be put in homes through no fault of their own um, but that's a tough background and you know a lot of people kind of you know lose the way and it's very easy for people to say see this and go no 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 these people aren't for me sure but if you actually think of kind of you know the experiences that these people will have and the ability to to read a room and to understand risks and things like Mm. that that actually makes them perfect for this industry where they can think on their toes because their whole childhood has depended on it and even their survival has depended on it so i think we're very easy to kind of to write off certain things when actually it's the diversity of thought but they'd be absolutely perfect in the cp world and the ep world because they can take those environmental cues and know straight away you know the kind of the tingle and tummy that something Mm -hmm. (laughs) is happening um whereas if you are kind of a bit more privileged and a bit more oblivious you're you know you're leaving yourself and your uh, your principle open I think now 
when when you say it here, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and I imagine some of our listeners are, are, are nodding their head in agreement. I would assume that the challenge is, is getting the decision makers who might be very set in their ways, I guess is the best way to say that, to, to open up because, you know, maybe their perspective is it ain't broken necessarily. So what do we have to fix? Yeah, you're right. And things like um, recruitment and taking chances and doing things differently is, um, you know, it can go either way. And if you make a mistake with recruitment, it takes a long time to fix that problem. And recruitment, it's expensive, it's time consuming. So you can understand, not through any malintent, but we've gone for the lazy option, you know, cutting the corners kind of. And, and, you know, we know that someone from the services, there'll be a level of discipline you would expect. Um, so there is an element of challenging that kind of, you know, that easy route, if you like. And I think one of the things we can do about that, the stats on diverse boards and their ability to be more innovative, creative, and ultimately kind of earn more money is out there to be able to be used. But I suppose it's it's kind of, it's making it as painless as possible. So it's not a big kind of, you know, search for the Holy Grail. It's just slightly changing things and doing things a little bit differently. So you don't necessarily pay a recruiter to just look for 10 keywords in a CV you look for something else something a little bit different and take those blinkers off and open it up um but yeah you you are 100% right you, you will always be against the well this has worked quite well for 50 years um you could argue that it might be kind of turning round because if we do have, and we certainly do have in the UK, kind of um, a very, very white male, kind of all similar ages, relatively similar backgrounds, that that kind of lack of diversity is maybe they're going to struggle to deal with the cyber attack or kind of, you know, the attackers of the future, um, mm. that we are in a kind of, you know, a, a, an element where we need to change things and we need to stop and be more diverse and think differently before we become kind of, you know, completely obsolete. Um, so, you know, maybe that that time mm. is upon us. Well, I do think that there there is there is some change coming, you know, from the kind of the corporate environment, at least having the conversations. And and I believe even the the, the, the talk that you guys have coming up speaks to that. The question I would have then is, is that, is the initiative just talk? Is it just something that's kind of a, you know, we can say this to our board of directors that we, we were working on this and, you know, hey, we had this discussion if there's ever any, you know, pushback on social media or online, why don't you have more women in the workplace, et cetera. Hey, we did this, you know, you know how much of it is, is just show dressing? There's certainly a lot of it. Um... And yes, I was very mindful that um, I put on this conference um, the different associations are all kind of behind it. But how mm. many of them are just kind of thinking she's doing all the work and I'm going to be able to tick that box? Mm. Um, sure. And there's certainly been reactions from the associations that have shocked me and have shown me that actually they're not just talking and doing nothing. They're actually talking and they don't really kind of, you know, 
they're not the reason they're doing nothing is they potentially aren't really on board and they don't want to kind of you know to change that status quo Mm -hmm. um which naively kind of you know you you expect people to want to change and to move forward for the better It's, it's also it's understanding the mindset and i think the resistance is coming from fear um people kind of who've previously turn security into a dark art it's my secret thing i have the knowledge i have the power um who are actually terrified of people coming in and asking the question why are you doing it like that um and that we need to change those mindsets so instead of being you know kind of out of fear um who are these new people and you know who are they to kind of challenge what we've been doing quite successfully for x years and think of it as you know, the challenge is a positive thing, but that their role is now being the mentor. They've got wealth of experience and how can they actually bring someone in and develop that experience? So, the, you know, the young person has all the kind of, you know, the vigor and the excitement and the, you know, the technical knowledge. How can they be honed to someone that understands kind of the way things were done and that is the big thing that we have to do people need to move away from that fear that their role will be redundant if they share information and actually be enthused and kind of you know um happy that they have taken someone um new into the industry and created a you know a brilliant all-rounded security manager and see that as the challenge as opposed to maintaining their little place in the ivory tower so as you explain it there's just a strong degree of self-preservation so you you might not have bad intent so you've got this self-preservation i don't want to make myself obsolete uh but then when you bring in the argument which most people can see that we need new blood we need new ideas we need new talent then the challenge becomes making it so the candidates that you select aren't just a carbon copy of yourself yeah does that sound right 100 percent, yeah and it's embracing those differences as well i've been lucky enough to have bosses who we we have challenges we have debates kind of you know they sometimes get heated and out of um you know a bad idea or a bad concept that debate has created something that's really quite finessed and is good and sure. has different opinions and i've always mm-hmm. been lucky enough to work in those kind of environments and enjoy being challenged and you know that's a stupid idea and da, 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 da. and more people need to kind of you know to be open to that to change things because staying in that mold, doing the same thing, employing the same people, thinking you don't have to change is just, you know, it's it's not very, um, it can't be very fulfilling for the individual mm. and is mm. detrimental to the industry, I think. So Dawn, and, yeah. and also maybe also Elijah, I've just sort of thought about this. Isn't EP very well placed to take advantage of new talent pools or different talent pools insofar as there are so many small EP businesses that need to find an edge or they need to be competitive. Aren't, aren't they actually really well placed to say, you know what, this particular group has not been discovered and can't, 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 can't uh, small EP businesses mm-hmm. discover them as, as, as talent agents almost. I don't you know. Maybe, maybe that's a question for Elijah. 
Well, I, I think, you know, particularly as, as, as we advance as an industry, you know, one of our core principles we talk about is blending in, is being able to fulfill the client's need and, and have a presence that's at times overt, but many times covert. And with that, as you have diversity in your client pool, and you know, we think about all of the high net worth individuals all over the world, you know, they're, they're female, uh, you know, they're other than white, you know, globally. So you could see how there is a supply that we can meet the demand for, but I think it's getting those. And I think that's what Dawn is talking about is getting the two to communicate with each other, you know, and, and I'm sure that there is a stopgap in between there. Maybe that's the hiring managers or the, the HR department. So is, is that who we need to do the sell with? That's interesting because one of my panels has got recruiters on and it basically says, who has the power to change this? Is it the recruiter, the specialist recruiter that will go out and search a kind of a broader talent pool um, and will influence the hiring manager to say, look, let's let's not just get lieutenant whatever. Let's look at this um, programmer. Let's look at this project manager. Let's look at these skills. Um, or is it the hiring manager who needs to, or the HR, um, that needs to rip up those job descriptions that might be 20 years old and kind of, you know, just a little bit of changing the words every now and again and make them actually think that you're not recruiting a X, you're recruiting a member for a team. And therefore, don't look at that one role. Look at how that one role will affect the team and step outside. That's a great point. And it's understanding who actually has the power. And at the minute, I don't know. <laughs> okay. There's a teaser a for answer. Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's a great plug for Thursday. Catching that, <laughs> <getting> that show. <laughs> um, so I guess I should use that as the segue then. So how do we better support young professionals going into the industry? Let, let's say we're not the hiring manager. How do we, is it just conversations like this? Or I, I, I assume there's a degree of mentorship that kind of comes with that. But how, you know, how do we affect change, I guess, from all levels? I think the first thing is fixing the perception problem that security has. Um, mm. There were studies done um, that addressed children, kind of school leavers um, and, and younger kids, basically saying, what do you think about security? And a lot of them thought about the guard in Walmart. And whilst kind of no disrespect to those guys, it didn't set these kids' hearts on fire. Now, you and I know that there's amazing roles and there's amazing things that we do. You know, I've been around the world. You you went on the Thames. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's the, the opportunities are amazing, but no one is seeing that. And therefore, no one is really kind of, you know, is investigating and getting to those kind of, you know, um, the entry level roles because it's just like, oh, no. Um, so there's a big education piece that we need to address and I don't think we're very good at selling ourselves and again it comes back to the it was a dark art it's secret you sure. know security sure. you're in that room and you never ever yeah. went to that room because you don't want to go there right. um right. and we need if I tell you I have to kill you yeah, exactly yeah, right. yeah. yeah um so we need to open ourselves up but also educate as to the different roles 
and the different way that you can go in there. So it might be that you do start off as a guard or an officer and you build up um, certain kind of qualifications, accreditations and an understanding of the industry. And then the next move is X, which is a little bit more sexier. So there's a massive piece of work that we need to do uh, on that. The other thing as well is, um, and I actually have my stats right this time, 80% of the criminology students um, from a professor that I spoke to who does um, criminology are women. They graduate, they're probably absolutely brilliant, and they don't think about security. They wouldn't even sure. think about yeah. security. They um, um, We'll actually find out where they do go to because the professor is looking into that for me um, again. Okay. I'm going to look teaser for Thursday. Um, but I'm getting good at this marketing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but why, you know, we, we have people who are engaged, who are kind of, you know, trained and interested and ready for the field. Why are we going and finding them and kind of, you know, kidnapping them and making them work in security? It's the, you know, it, we're, we're missing a massive, massive part. And that needs to be identified because then we will have interested parties that we can seduce, woo, mentor and build up. Um, but we're not even kind of at the, you know, people knocking on the door stage yet, unfortunately. No, I, I think you make a great point. And I, as you're saying it, I concur. So one of the things I do is I, uh, and I have now for over a decade, I, I teach an executive protection training course. And overwhelmingly, the students are male. Uh, and when we, we have a female that, that comes to the class and she talks about her experiences, you know, maybe on social media, when she's finishing the class, you'll have her peer groups going, I never even thought about that. I never knew that was an industry, you know, and, you know, and so I think about that. And so you have, you know, the, 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 the women who would still encounter the same ads or the same conversations about the course. It just, it, they don't think about it. That's not for them, you know? And, and it, and so it, it's, you, you take the course, you graduate the course. And, and I think you probably can speak to this. You become a commodity because the talent pool is so small. So if you have someone who needs a female for, for whatever reason, you become that much more marketable because there's only a few of you in that. So, so we'd, we'd like to have more women in the industry, but I'd like the women that are in the industry to be able to assume more prominent roles and, and higher pay because that pool is much smaller. Yeah. And I've actually benefited from being different. Um, you know, it, it's quite controversial, but, you know, a corporate might say, you know, I want a woman or I want a this. And I have benefited from being different. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not going to lie about it. So when I do speak to, uh, you know, careers and schools and things, especially to the girls, it's reaching out to them saying, you are going to be special. You are going to be different. And because of that, you are going to get jobs. And having the people who have those different skill sets thinking, actually, you know what, I, I can see how I can apply going back to the children in care kind of scenario, instead of thinking no one will want me because I happen to have this background, if they think 
I've got a skill set here that's actually quite special and quite relevant and they are going to want stroke need me will just you know inspire them to do more but also to sell themselves so much more so you will go into an interview kind of saying you need me which is you know which is just encouraging and we'll get more people in as opposed to a I'm not sure and and there's there's things about kind of the language and the way um women especially kind of do things in interviews sometimes the language in meetings is I'm not sure but and we just naturally do it because we're kind of you know we're negotiators we haven't got the testosterone it's like this is what you'll do it's slowly slowly and we kind of nicely ebb in um and it's understanding when that kind of language is a power and is, is good or when you have to actually turn that off and do something a little bit counter to the way you normally do and say, I am, you need me. Um, and it's it's just things like that. And when you actually realise that different people and different groups will portray themselves in a certain way and that we can have these discussions and have it changed, um, mm-hmm. that that will make the big difference as well. So I see it as it's kind of, you need the buy-in from both parties. Yes. You know, you need it from the hiring side, but you also need it from the candidates to be able to put their best foot forward, highlight their differences. And and maybe that's to that point, which is, you know, we're so nervous because we see, you know, the other side of the table and it doesn't look like us when we're in these interviews. So we think we have to become something other than what we are when the things that we are might be an asset yeah. and we need to put those to the forefront. Mm-hmm. And and wow. in job interviews, I will kind of say, you know, I am different. I haven't got that police and military background, but this is actually what I have got. And it's, you know, it, it's flying that flag to say I'm different. And this is, this is why you need me. Um, and that's kind of, you know, you finesse it after a while, you come across a bit cocky at first, but you know, it, it works. And it's, it's having a hiring manager that embraces that kind of difference. Again, thinking about the team, thinking about what they need as a whole to be able to deal with the, you know, the situation we have in security now where they don't all attack the same thing in the same way as they might have done kind of 20 years ago. It's they are being creative and they are being different. So we need to do that to exist and to do our jobs. I love that. One of the aspects that I thought we really need to also touch on and are, you know, grateful for, for input on, on both sides of the house, uh, technology and recruitment. We're told that there is a skills gap. We're told there is a, a, a talent shortage. Now, perhaps in the States that might be true because it's not possible very or very possible to hire international talent mainly because of how the how the how the recruitment codes work and how the employment codes work so so it's quite possible that that there really is a a shortage but are we doing ourselves any favors by employing cv sifting software that may have unconscious bias or unintended consequences Is, is that a real thing um or i mean there's certainly the potential for it to be a real thing isn't it yeah, and it's it's very frustrating um, recruitment in general. You will look at a, a job description, and it kind of you know it describes exactly what you do, and you will apply, and all of a sudden it's like no, 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 this is cyber only. So the descriptions are a little bit skewed. The um, I read somewhere that kind of you know um, it's like something like a thirty second scan of a CV. 
and it's looking for buzzwords and accreditations, which you can just stick in there and maybe get through and try and wing it. Um, and that just seems fundamentally wrong. One for the individuals who get knocked back because mm. they're missing, uh, you know, a three letter abbreviation. And two, for the hiring managers who have got lots and lots of talents, you know, the diversity of thought, the differences, and that just isn't even being presented to them. And it's like, here's your pile of cookie cutter kind of, you know, responses, which how can that work? Sure, sure. And and I worry about the same thing, because as we think about the rise of AI and we have, studies have shown that the biases of the programmers have kind of gone into the system itself. However, the layperson might go, oh, well, the system is infallible. That's what computers are. They're, they're non-judgmental, but it's, it's just the opposite we find. So that is a dilemma. Uh, I guess I'll ask you, Don, what's the solution to that? <laughs> well, it, it's the programmers kind of, I suppose the diversity there. Um, there was a thing in the news about, um, the online um, photographs for um, passports and the AI is looking for a certain thing and it was saying to Asian people you need to open your eyes and it was saying to black people um, that you need to close your mouth and some guy just kind of wrote it is closed I've just got big lips and it's down to how those programs are written that it's by someone that kind of says this seems about right because this is kind of, you know, this is what I'm seeing. So it's that diversity going, you know, going back to the coding mm. thing and just stepping outside the box thinking, actually, you know what? Everyone's eyes aren't shaped like this or everyone's this isn't shaped like that. Um, mm. And that's the only way that it can be done. But whether, whether that's possible, because there's so much out there and kind of, you know, unraveling that, Oh, it's or, or maybe maybe we just aren't we shouldn't be afraid of sifting CVs ourselves. I mean, it's not that many CVs to sift. Imagine even mm. 500 CVs. Is it truly going to ruin your day? I don't, I don't think so. We've got this reliance on outsiders, on third parties. Uh, many people know my views on recruitment. And, and, and recruiters, they're, they're slotting themselves in between, uh, you know, you and your career and money and, mm -hmm. and, and whatever. But, but tech is maybe one step further. Is it, is it truly a headache, Elijah, to sift 100 CVs? No. I, in fact, I feel just the opposite, but I do understand why people do it. So, you know, quite a, a while ago in my career as a hiring manager, I shifted away from CVs and put the emphasis more on the interviews. And so being able to get that from the person. Now, with that said, that went hand in hand with uh, being able to look at their social media because that gave me an idea uh, of, of the character that they were or that the character that they were trying to shape. So that plus the interview gave me more than I found in a CV ever could because uh, to Don's point, uh, the crafty uh, individuals know how to manipulate the CV uh, and then we also know that, uh, you know, there are certain, particularly in our profession, there are certain things that we think we need, but we don't necessarily need, you know, uh, and I think it's even more true in the UK, you might have this impressive background in the military as a marksman, but that doesn't really translate into the private security sector, uh, you know, in, in terms of how well you shoot. Now, 
Now, of course, that means, you know, you operate well under pressure, uh, you know, you have a, a degree of proficiency in terms of um, uh, technical knowledge, et cetera, those types of things. But you can also get those types of things from somewhere else. So, so I do try and be extremely sensitive to that. So I don't, the resumes come, those get looked at kind of after I've done these other pieces I've talked about. You know, I've, I've got a feel for the person. Uh, I've tried to see what their social media profile is. And again, some of those are, are artificial or, or conflated, but there's, that tells you something as well. So, so I try and get a sense of the person. And then I use the, the CV to kind of match up what they presented with what I have. So maybe this is a good juncture. Uh, Dawn, what are we trying to achieve on Thursday at this event? Now, uh, conscious, this episode is going to hang around for some time. So we need, we need to reflect on how this topic will evolve uh, you know, over time as well. But what are the goals of a conference that is taking an equality and diversity and inclusion uh, topic and calling it the talent pipeline? So I think a comprehension that representation is really, really important. And if we don't fix the representation problem, the talent of tomorrow will be looking at engineering, will be looking at the cyber side, still security, but you know, from a physical security perspective, they will, they will just not touch us. So it's that important and understanding the correlation between the two. I think also having the different associations coming together. So it's not just an ACES event or an ASIS event or a Security Institute event. It's the industry getting together and you're learning about CP. Not many corporates will know how that works. Um, mm. the, the, the officer side of things and, and how you kind of, you know, progress there. I think is a real positive and it's the first time that this has actually happened and more events with the associations working together will actually mm -hmm. achieve more um, and there's a special interest group that's been set up and they will be tasked and will work on making sure that there are um, it's discussed after because one of the things putting on at first I thought if I do a conference, I'll sit back and pat myself on the back and be happy. But actually, that's that's, you know, that's one day in everyone's lives where they've kind of, you know, they felt good about themselves. That's just not good enough. It's the next steps. It's the actions. So we will be talking about um, definite tangible actions that will happen in the next six months, but keeping on top of that. So it might be, you know, we've got 12 panels discussing various things. We pick three or four elements and we will follow it through and that we will stay true and actually feed back what we're doing um, and be forced to kind of, you know, to do the right thing and to stay honest, if you like, as opposed to thinking, yeah, we've done this, aren't we, Grace? We had a day out on, on a boat um, and then just leave it at that. Stay true and follow it through. I think that could be that that, that could be a, a mantra, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, Don, it, it, it's a pleasure having you on. I know that you know our CP industry in the UK rather well, and so it's a pleasure to involve you in the Circuit Magazine and our podcast. From Elijah and myself, we've really enjoyed having you on. We did. Thank you. We look forward to following this topic through in another episode of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Thank you very much, Don. Thank you.
Diversity, what a topic. I don't think it's that controversial. I think maybe there's a lot in the media that makes it sound controversial, but actually expanding your talent pool, expanding the available resources to you. I mean, it's not rocket science, is it, Elijah? No, I think what this conversation did that that Dawn did masterfully was take the controversy out of it and just talk plainly. And as protectors, whether that's in the corporate sector, celebrity sector, uh, or wherever, there's something to be said about the intent. And if the intent is to blend in, is the, if the intent is to think outside the box, and these are things that we say all of the time that we're, we're trying to do, um, then we should be trying to get the widest available talent pool with the most talented people in it. Uh, so, you know, as Don presented it, it made complete sense. And I hope uh, those that maybe found the topic controversial listen to the entire episode because, you know, I, I can't see where an argument can be made against it, even though we did try it at a couple of times to poke holes in it. Indeed. And it's not to negate the existence of a special interest group for, for example, Native uh, American protectors. Um, I, I'm, I'm just plucking an example out, but it, it, that can still exist. But the available talent pool, if we then opened up to fellow Native American protectors for other work, mm-hmm. it suddenly really benefits the industry as a whole. Yeah, that's an example that, that, that you made, and it makes sense. Uh, I, I think... Overall, the discussion is important. And if, if people can have, you know, civilized discussions and whether that happens on uh, the protector, the potential protector side, uh, those that are looking for those opportunities, if they're having discussions on the reality of it, and then it happens on the flip side, which is the hiring managers and these detail leaders, if, if they can see, okay, you know, you know, here's some new things that we need to be thinking about. And if you can work through those, uh, uh, again, coming from a good place, uh, I think there's common ground for everyone. And this is what we're going to be trying to tease out uh, tomorrow in person in London on the HMS Belfast. It's a World War II ship, so nothing uh, too too modern. But but that's going to be very interesting. Now, it is quite a quote-unquote diverse audience as well. And I do appreciate that this episode is there to stay in our canon of circuit magazine podcast so it can't be tied to an event in time i would just encourage anyone to look at at least the outputs of that uh, event but talking of outputs we've been really hot on producing content really uh, recently yeah, on the on, on going on on the apps in particular that new aspect in the naba protector app maybe that's worth telling people a little bit about Sure. So prior to this, NABA sponsored a clubhouse room and we called it EPHQ, Executive Protection Headquarters. And we did a weekly conversation uh, and uh, we had a lot of success with that. But what we started doing was trying to make sure that we brought value to the app and the best ways to do that. And with some of the new upgrades in technology, what we decided to do was, was move that weekly conversation exclusive to the app. So now we basically do e, uh, EPHQ inside the app, but with the added component of video. So we basically have a live conversation uh, on a variety of executive protection topics. Uh, we still have the same 
audiences there uh, and audience participation. But now you've got the added component of of live video, which just makes things again a little bit more three dimensional uh, and a little bit more exciting. So we do that every week. Uh, we invite people to just come in, check out the EPHQ section. Uh, right now, you can get um, watch the, uh, the the previous episodes if you haven't already. But every week uh, on the Eastern time zone in the United States, we do that at 8 p.m. Well worth a listen, well worth a watch. And that is a cool feature of the app, which I'm sure we will uh, expand uh, throughout uh, throughout the app networks. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we have some plans. <laughs> um, well, it's been really exciting talking about this topic. One thing I thought I would do is also a shout out because last week I ran the Corporate Security Modernization Forum Southwest. The Circuit Magazine was a media partner. So mm-hmm. it was lovely to see a lot of our fellow uh, protectors, including Yolanda Scott, uh, Kelly Moy, uh, Christian West, Chuck Randolph, Brian Jansen, Chris Story, uh, Chuck Tobin. Uh, Guess we didn't see. That would be me. And I was uh, supposed to be there. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to highlight that, <laughs> but, but it was nice that you were going to be there. You see, I, w- I was trying to be there. You know, I, I, that was the day that I was uh, in transit uh, coming back from an international trip and trying to make all of this work. And it just didn't happen. Uh, but it sounded like you had some, some great turnout and, uh, and we got these subject matter experts and they're talking about things that that affect our industry. And, and so, um, uh, as always, hi, Mark's brother. I appreciate it. Well, it was great to see so many big faces in the industry, uh, you know, represent. So diversity in security, it's a much broader topic and perhaps less controversial than some people may anticipate. I encourage you to look into it and reach out to lots of different groups that are very hard at work to promote it in this industry. And let us know what you think too. Um, listen to the episode, drop us a line. You can drop us, reach us uh, at the uh, BBA Connect app or the NABA Protector app. Let's discuss it. Let's do it. From Elijah and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.